little taste of what we're going to see next week. Let's put our hands together, get warmed up. Good to see you. Ah, so good to be here. And if we've never met before, my name is Scott, one of the pastors, and what a joy to be together. You know, your, your dad is very happy you're here. Your heavenly father is very happy you are here. You know why? Because you are, well, you're one of his most special kids. Yeah, it's... I'm talking about you. Go ahead. Yeah. Nudge your neighbor. Say he's talking about you. You are. You're one of God's most special kids. And we are thrilled to be uh, together. Um, uh, please take these cards and, and give them out this, this next weekend. Every weekend is a life-changing weekend here at Hope, uh, whether you're here in person or watching online. But please invite people for next week. Also, uh, if you are thinking about and praying about end-of-year giving, sometimes people make plans because I always remind you it's better for Uncle Jesus to get it than Uncle Sam. So as you plan your end-of-year, just a few things I would uh, just uh, point out. First of all, thank you for uh, your incredible generosity with the shoeboxes to financially challenge families that live in our community and, and taking care of those foster kids. You've done a great, awesome job and appreciate you so much. Um, this next Wednesday is going to be great. If, if you're not a regular Wednesday person, you, you miss out on a lot that goes on. This last weekend, we had some friends visit from uh, Uganda, East Africa, and a mission uh, that we support called Watoto. We've been investing in that mission for over two decades. In fact, they thanked us over the time we've been part of that mission. We have supported them with a quarter of a million dollars. And that's a great thing to do, isn't that? Put your hands together. They, say, they just came to say thank you, so... If you miss that, uh, they do have a, a, a touring uh, choir that's on the ground right now. It's traveling in the west, and it's broken down. It has very expensive repairs, unexpected repairs. So we want to help them at the end of the year. And if you want to help us help them, we've committed to a $10,000 gift to help get that bus back on the road. And if you want to give an end time gift, or end time, could be the end. <laughs> well, quickly get it in because... Uncle Jesus is much better than Uncle Antichrist, I'll just tell you that much. <laughs> but uh, end of year giving, if you want to help us help Watoto in that mission, it's a great mission. Uh, and then the uh, Kingdom Builders, uh, thank you for helping us. And you can give an end of year gift to Kingdom Builders. We want to get the uh, Tower of Hope relit, the gospel uh, represented in the cross. And uh, please help us to do that. And just if you want to pray about that. Uh, we're in our uh, Advent series uh, this month called Jesus is king, and it's a, an idea that changes everything. Uh, when you not just say the words, but understand what that's about, it changes your life, it changes your family life, it changes the life of this community of faith, it changes the life of our community. Uh, last week we reminded you that Jesus um, was promised to come as king hundreds of years before he arrived in prophecy, Prophets like Daniel very specifically uh, told us when Jesus would arrive and that Jesus would come as king. Uh, when the angel Gabriel was announcing the birth of Jesus to Mary, he said, Mary, you're going to have a son. You're going to call him Jesus. He's going to be a savior, and he's going to sit on a throne. And that kingdom that he sits over will never end. He's going to be born to be a king. We sing about that in some of the songs of Christmas as we talk about the majesty of Jesus. As Jesus got closer to the end of his life, it became clearer and clearer and more public that he had come to be king. 
During his lifetime, he talked about the kingdom of God. He taught a lot about the kingdom of God. But in the last week of his life, starting from the weekend that we call Palm Sunday, as he entered into the city of Jerusalem as king, sitting, as the prophet had said, entering in on a donkey, entering in as king, and then throughout the week it became apparent either the people were going to accept him as king or reject him as king. In fact, the conversation with Pilate that's recorded in John 18 and 19 is essentially about Jesus and him being king. Pilate asks him, Jesus, uh, are you a king? And Pilate is looking and Jesus says, well, is that your idea or did you get that idea from someone else? Pilate says, well, I've got authority. I could take your life from him. He says, not really. He says, the only authority you have comes from the kingdom of heaven. Actually, there's an authority over you, which really shook Pilate up. And he wanted to release Jesus, and he did his best to release Jesus. And he, he got the worst of the worst, like uh, Jerusalem's ten most wanted combined in one person, Barabbas, and said, hey, I've got to let go of this innocent man that I can't find anything to do with, or Barabbas. And the people said, give us Barabbas. And then uh, as we come, and you can open your Bibles or open the study guide, Pilate is um, coming just to the last conversation with the crowd and with Jesus. And he, and he points and he says, uh, I want you to behold your king. And the people's response is, we reject him as king. That's what, that's what the cross is about. The cross is about the crowd rejecting Jesus as king. We reject him as king, take him away, crucify him. And then Pilate says, you want me to crucify your king? And their response is so important. Their response was, um, Jesus is not our king. Caesar is our king. Think about that. Because if you reject Jesus as king, something steps in to fill the void. I don't know what your relationship with Jesus is today, but if, you are, if you're here and thinking about Jesus and checking him out, he has a claim. And his claim is, I'm king, which means I have the corner office. I'm the CEO. I'm the director. I'm, I am, when you, when you recognize I'm king, it's not just cute little baby Jesus in the manger, it is who sits on the throne of your life. And I promise you, somebody or something is sitting on the throne of your life. And if it's not Jesus, it's Caesar. Or money. Or a relationship. Or a substance. Or something is in the center of your soul. And this series is about considering Jesus claimed to be Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just claim to be the king. He went to the cross. Remember, remember what they put over his head when he was on the cross? King of the Jews. They crucified him as king. But then he went into the tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead. So when he claims to be king, we have to really check out that claim. And what does that mean to me? And what does that mean to you? And what does that mean to this community of faith? If Jesus is king, it answers all of the big questions of life. Think about this. If Jesus is king, if his claim is true, and you come to accept it, come to believe in it, it answers all of the big questions of life. 
We're going to look at some of those big questions. Here's question number one. How, if God is really God, if there is a God, and he's put his fingerprints all over creation, if there is a God, how can I get to know this God? Well, Jesus came as a king. We looked at this scripture last week just to remind you of it prophesying that he would be a king that would be born. There would be no ending of his kingdom. He chose to be born not in a palace, but in a stable, because he wanted to be a king that was known by common, regular people. Are there any common, regular people in the house? I'm very common. Very well, And these are the kind of people. He didn't, he didn't live his life separate from people. He lived his life amongst people because he wanted to be a king who had a personal relationship with his people. I love when Matthew talks about the coming of Christ and says his name is going to be called Emmanuel because he wants to be a God or the God who is with us. Emmanuel meaning God with us because there's only so much you can communicate in writing. When it comes to love, in person is better than writing. I'll try that again. Some of you need to learn about love. In person is better than a text. In person is better than an email. And until the coming of Jesus, there were 39 scriptural books that were given to us, written by prophets, trying to say, here's what God is like. Because God wanted to be known. He said, here are the things that I value. Here's what I'm about. But in person is the best way to get to know somebody. Before I married sweet Darla Joy, I was her boyfriend. And I lived 3,000 miles away from her. I lived on the West Coast. She lived in the East. So how do we communicate? We wrote letters <laughs> on paper with a pen. We folded those letters up. We put them into an envelope. And I put a stamp on the letter and I put it in a box and I waited days for it to get there. Every once in a while we would talk on the phone, but at that time talking on the phone, it was about a, a million and a half dollars a minute. So it was very limited. I was very poor. I was very young, very poor. So it was like, hey, how are you? This is what I did. Okay, it was a great guy to say goodbye. Love you. Bye. Yeah, middle of the night, yes. And with the time change, that was always very interesting. Let me just tell you, in person is better than letters. So God, who wanted to be known, knew that. He had all of these prophets. They'd written things down. But he said, I really want people to know what I'm like. So I'm going to come in the flesh. I'm going to tent myself in humanity. And I'm going to come as Emmanuel, a king who loves his people so much, he lives amongst them. Jesus is God in the flesh. And if you want to know what God is like, read about the life of Jesus, which I encourage you to do in this season. 
I like what some people have been doing uh, through the Advent season, reading through the gospel, the story of Jesus found in Luke. There's 24 chapters in Luke, and they started on December the 1st, reading a chapter a day, reading about Jesus. And when you read about Jesus, you get to know about God. Uh, you, could start, you, you, could, you could start today. If you didn't start on December 1st, you can't go backwards. But you could start today. You could read one of the shorter stories of Jesus, maybe Mark, short, concise, Reader's Digest version. 16 chapters, just read about Jesus in Mark. But I'm just encouraging you in this season, the great question is how do we get to know God? The king came. The answer to how to get to know God is the king. Read about him. He came to explain that God was, well, God was a loving and benevolent father. Jesus called God Abba. And as any good, loving father, he wants to connect with his children and wants to give his children good gifts. We're in the season of giving gifts. Someone asked me the other day, what do you want for Christmas? I said, I literally have everything I could ever want, unless they invent something new. But right now, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pr what I want for Christmas is to see a smile on the grandchildren's face. That's, my adult kids, they're out right now because they're on their own. They're, but my grandkids, that's what I want because I'm, I'm a papa. And Jesus says, okay, I'm going to teach you that God is like a loving father. And I'm going to tell you how to receive from this loving father. And he answers this big life question. How do I receive if God is out there but not out there? He's come down here. He's come to be with us. Jesus, you want to connect? with the benevolent heart of God, then you've got to understand the kingdom. Jesus talked over and over and over again about the kingdom of God. In Matthew 6, he says, I want you to seek first the kingdom. Every kingdom has a king, right? Remember that when you read about Jesus teaching about the kingdom. Every kingdom has a king, and the king of the kingdom Jesus is talking about happens to be... Drum roll. Jesus. He's the king of the kingdom. He's, he's, so if you want to connect with the heart, heart of God, you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust you. You're the CEO. You're the director. I give, you, I give you my life. We talk about that. I give you my life. And part of acknowledging Jesus or seeking first the kingdom of God, all these things, everything you need, listen to me, everything you need will come into place in your life when you need it, when you put Jesus as king. Now, it may not be the things you want today. Because when you give your life to Jesus, you give him your desires, and he actually shapes your desires. He knows exactly what you need, and part of acknowledging him as king is to say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. I encourage you in this season that you are in to take your eyes off of your problems, off of the challenges of life, and put them on the king. The king is the answer to the problem you're facing. You say it's a financial problem. The king is the answer. It's a medical problem. The king is the answer. It's a relational problem. The king is the answer. Over 30 years ago, when our dad uh, had a heart attack, 
And I remember walking into the room in Chicago, and this man that was a pillar of strength looked at that moment very weak, laying on the bed, hooked up to machinery. At that moment, what do we focus on? Do we focus on his heart condition, or do we focus on the king? We made a choice. We were thankful for the doctors who were working on his heart condition. We focused on the king and said, Jesus, we trust you. We put our dad in your hands. You do all things well. We sought first the kingdom of God, and thanks be to God, he's given us like three decades, extra bonus decades with him. When our daughter, when Darla and our, our daughter uh, was fighting cancer, we make a choice. Do we focus on the cancer or do we focus on the king? And I'm just calling you. Maybe you're fighting cancer today. Maybe you're here. Maybe you have a loved one. I'm just challenging you that the answer is not to focus on the cancer, but to focus on the king, to trust him and say, Lord, you're the king. I'm focusing on you. I'm not focusing on my financial issue, my relational issue. I trust you. I seek you first. I put you in the first position of my life. Which is why I encourage you to pray like Jesus taught us to pray every day. Your kingdom come. Right? Every kingdom has a king, and the king is? You did better this time than last time. King is Jesus. When he's talking about... Your kingdom come. You're, you're shifting your attention to Jesus. Say, Jesus, you're the king. You do everything well. You are working in my life in ways I don't even understand. You're working behind the scenes. You're working all things together for my good and for your glory. Jesus, I trust you. He's the answer to whatever you need today. The king is the answer. And let me tell you two, two big things you need. Two big things you need. They're not outer things, and here's what we learn when we study Jesus as the king. They're not outer things, they're inner things. But two things that are very deficient, especially in this time of year. Peace and joy. I can tell that because some of you haven't smiled at me once all the time I've been talking about. You're like, under, you're under what, what is, uh, is the stress of the season, well, let me talk, it's a big life question and it's an important one. How do I find peace? And, and G Jesus talks about it, the scriptures talk about it a lot. How do I find peace? How do I find joy? Well, here's the teaching. That the kingdom of God, every kingdom has a king. Who is the king? Getting better, you're getting better. Jesus is the king. So the, looking to Jesus as the king, it's not an outer thing. It says it's not about what you happen to be eating or what you happen to be drinking or wrapping presents. I threw that in there. The kingdom of God is not about eating, not about drinking, not about shopping at UTC. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking at the Christmas party. It's not outward. Here's what we thought. When we connect with the king, he says, not about outward things. The kingdom of God is about what's going on in your heart right now. It's about righteousness, divine right being, and he makes you right with God. Divine right thinking, and he causes our thinking to be right. Divine right action, righteousness, and peace, and joy. But as you wander the streets this week, just look at people. 
There's been a lot of shopping going on. And there's going to be even more this week. I prophesy. I prophesy today that there will be shopping. In fact, next Saturday is going to, I prophesy, a huge shopping day. They call it Super Saturday. They, they, they estimate that next Saturday there will be $15 billion of sales. You know why that is? Because we're halfway through December and they tell us over 50% of us, you don't have to put your hand up, but over 50% of us have not finished our Christmas shopping yet. I see that hand. <laughs> how, how about this one? They tell us that at this point of the month, over 40% of us haven't even started. I see that hand. I see that. <laughs> so this just layers on. I, I met one of our brothers in Walmart this week. I said, hey, how are you doing? He, he said, I'm doing good. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm walking the aisles praying for inspiration. <laughs> we're, we're like, we're buying stuff for people that have everything we can imagine, and we're just hoping in the last 12 months that somebody has invented something that we don't know about, and we're going to turn the corner, and there it's going to be. Hallelujah. People in this season, they're stressed to the max. Did you remember the first Christmas? The very first Christmas, like pre-Madison Avenue. Do you remember when the angels appeared to the shepherds who were watching over their flocks by night? And here was their message. Got good news for you. Got great news for you. Great news, shepherds. Joy. I've got great news for you. Good news of great, not a little bit of joy, great joy. What, what was the news? Great joy. A, a savior has been born. He's in a shepherd. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And as they ended their message, they said, hey, peace. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards everybody. So the, what was the message? Joy. What was the message? peace. It's like the enemy of our soul heard that and said, what I'm going to do is add so much stress to this season and I'm going to squeeze the joy out of it so that when people come to church, they're not even going to smile at their pastor. Because they're stressed out. Let's try this. Let's get up in the morning and, and, and acknowledge, Jesus, you're king. You're the king of this day. You're in charge. What would, you, what would you like me to do? And listen and write down what he tells you to do. And just do that. And let me encourage you this. Simplify your Christmas. I was, I was so thrilled when sweet Darla Joy said to me, I have a plan for the Christmas dinner lasagna. I said, I said, why lasagna? She said, it's simple. I said, that's brilliant. Because it's better to have lasagna with joy than turkey with trouble. <laughs> come on. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. That's just better. Just take down the Norman Rockwell picture. What, what Jesus would, what the king would really like is for you to have peace, shalom in your home. 
He'd like there to be joy and song and just get it down to the level, get your expectations down to the level that you can have peace and have joy. And focus on the king. Not King UTC, King Jesus. Peace and joy come when we focus on the king. Just like those angels encourage those shepherds to do. I'm appearing as an angelic messenger. Got good news for you. Got good news for you. Here's the news. Great joy is waiting for you in Bethlehem. Peace is waiting for you in Bethlehem. Everything else really doesn't matter. The last big question that the king answers for us, and it's the biggest question that we ever answer, and it's how do we overcome the separation between our life and God? God is perfect. I acknowledge I'm not. God is holy. I acknowledge I'm not always holy. So how do I, how do I bridge that gap? Because if you connect with God... All of the other things we've talked about today fall into place. When you connect with God, there's greater peace. When you connect with God, there's greater joy. When you connect with God, all these things come together. The, all these things of Matthew 6 come together. When you connect with Christ, when you're not separated from God, you actually get to know God better. So here is the big thing that the king came down to this earth done. I like to do. I like the way Paul explains it just with this word picture. God is on one side. All the people are on the other side. And what does Jesus do? He bridges the gap. Versions of this verse also say he is the mediator. He's the one that, what does a mediator do? Brings together, bridges the gap. I sometimes explain it like this. Our youngest brother lives in Corpus Christi, Texas. If you draw a line on the Gulf of Mexico, across the Gulf of Mexico, it's about a straight line to Corpus Christi. And if we took you all down for a field trip to Siesta Key, lined you all up and said, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're all going to jump to Corpus Christi. Some of you are in good shape. I can say by looking at you, you'd get a couple of feet out into the Gulf of Mexico. Others of us would just roll into the surf. But nobody, but nobody would make it to Corpus Christi. Everyone here needs somebody to pick them up and take them over. And that's what Jesus did. That's what the king came to do. He came to pick you up from where you were, to take care of all of your sin, all of your shame, and to bridge the gap into God's kingdom. And all he asks for us to do is to trust him. With childlike trust, to trust the king. He said it like this. Don't be childish, but be childlike. Have that childlike trust that says, I trust you, Jesus. I trust what you taught about yourself because he said, I'm the king. I'm the king. Don't re- I'm the king. Don't reject Jesus like the crowd did. That put him on the cross. Jesus went to the cross saying, I'm the king, acknowledging he's the king. Then he went into the tomb and he didn't stay in the tomb. He rose from the dead. So all the things he taught about his being king, being in charge, being the one has to be true. Paul says it like this. We have to believe this in our heart. And we've got to declare it or confess it with our mouth. He says, if you will confess with your mouth, watch these, this term, it's a little different. Jesus is Lord. Let's say that together. Jesus is Lord, which is a little different than Jesus is King. We'll talk about that in a moment. If we confess that Jesus is Lord and we believe that in our heart, 
that he raised from the dead, then we're, we're in the family of God. We're saved. For with our heart we believe, with our mouth we confess, and that brings us into the family of God or salvation. Now, for you Bible students, there's a shift in New Testament writings. In the first four books of the New Testament, which is the story of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the kingdom of God is talked about a lot. A lot. It's about 126 mentions of the kingdom of God through the teaching of Jesus. Kingdom of God, kingdom of God. Every king has a king, right? And the king is? You got weaker. What happened? Every king has a kingdom and the kingdom... Every kingdom has a king, and the king is? Thank you. So he mentions the kingdom 126 times. Then we come to the writings after Jesus, and it's only mentioned about 36 times. What happened? What happened between what Jesus said about the kingdom being so important, and then Acts, and all the way to Revelation? Here's what happened. There was a replacement in the phrase... From the kingdom of God to this phrase that Paul talks about, Jesus is Lord. Do you remember what the scripture was we talked about when, when Pilate said, hey, here's your king. They said, reject him, away with him, crucify him. And he said, you want me to crucify your king? And what did the people cry out? They cried out, crucify him, and Caesar is our king. We have no king but Caesar. There was a common greeting, a common, common statement in the, in the New Testament era, and it was this, Caesar is Lord, because he was the king. And he claimed divine power. He claimed divine right. And so the people would go around, and they would say, in fact, by law, at least once a year, you were supposed to say this, Caesar is king. Well, those new believers knew that Jesus was king, not Caesar. I think they remembered I think they remembered this crucial moment in history when the people rejected the king and embraced Caesar and said, that's not us. We are not of that kingdom. Caesar is not our king. He is not our Lord. And they replaced the phrase, the kingdom of God, with this phrase, which is very important and alive even today. Jesus is Lord. Let me hear you say it. Jesus is Lord. It's the same thing. It's the same thing that Paul said. Confess that Jesus is Lord. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. And you're in the family of God. And when we point our faith towards Jesus, he brings healing to our souls. So let's start at the bottom. The fundamental thing is that we understand that Jesus heals our separation from God. He heals it. When he heals it, we have peace. We have peace with God, and we should have peace with others. All the things that we really need are clarified and brought to us when we have that separation with God healed because of the work that the king has done. And then we grow to know God more and more and more. This is why the king has come. This is why he is prophesied about. This is why he's in this room, so that we wouldn't be separated from his kingdom, but we would acknowledge either saying Jesus is king or Jesus is Lord, but we're acknowledging you are the one who is in charge of my life. I surrender myself to you so that you can bring me into the very presence of God. I can be one with God, and I can be one with your purpose in my life. We pray this to be your experience, and we pray that this 
week, you'll be inviting people and including people because we have this opportunity as we gather together next week to say this to people, your friends in this Christmas season. Hey, you don't have to be separated from God. There's a greater life of joy that's available. There's a greater life of peace that's available. So let's be inviters, let's be includers, especially this important week, and let's see the king do what he does best, and that is transform the human soul. Transform my soul, transform your soul, transform the soul of this community of faith and the greater community that we live in, and all of God's people say, amen. Let's stand together, we're gonna pray. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come and stand with me if they would, and we close our eyes and we open our hearts. We listen to the most important voice in this room, and it's not mine. The most important voice in this room is for us to ask, King Jesus, what do you wanna say to me today? What do you wanna say to me? What do you wanna change in me? Maybe you need to come to a place of believing in Jesus, who claimed to be the king. Maybe you need to accept that claim, believe that claim. Maybe you need to confess that claim for the first time. Maybe you need to start a relationship with Jesus today. Or maybe you need to renew a relationship that's grown cold with Jesus today. Because he is king of all kings. He is Lord of all lords. And he is the answer to the need of your deepest soul's request today. He's the answer. So I'm going to lead in a prayer, a prayer that says we do believe in our hearts and we follow the scriptures and we do declare, we do confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, he's the king, and we pray that his spirit would transform us, his power would change us, that he would give us exactly what we need today and every day. So as I lead this prayer, I'm going to pray out loud and I'm going to ask you to join all the people around you. We pray that 100% of the people here today would have no separation between your life and God's life, that you'd let Christ bring you into the family of God from the front of the auditorium to the back farthest row, from the left-hand side to the right-hand side, every single person matters to God, you matter to us, and we pray this prayer with you and for you. And so let's make this declaration of faith today. Let's lift our voice out loud and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I declare today, Jesus is Lord. He's the King. I surrender my life to Jesus. I repent of my sins, and I leave them behind. And I receive your forgiveness your love, your grace, your mercy. Fill me with your spirit. Lead my life. Guide my life. Give me greater peace. Give me greater joy. Help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. To the glory of God, hallelujah, amen, amen, amen. Yes, amen. It's a good, we affirm that prayer. It's a good prayer. It's a good prayer. So look in this way. Now, you're starting a relationship with Jesus or renewing a relationship. It's so important that you have a prayer about that. Confirm it. Seal it. And our prayer team is here to pray with you. Just walk forward and say, hey, I prayed with Scott to start a relationship or renew my relationship with Jesus today. Our prayer team is also here to pray for whatever need is in your life. Because whatever your need is, 
the king is the answer to that need. So we want to pray with you and for you. We want to allow and invite the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the blessings that only God can do to be in this moment of prayer. So I invite you to receive prayer. If you'd like to receive communion today, Holy Communion, you don't have to be a member of this church or part of this place, just a friend and a follower of Jesus. And there's communion at the left-hand side and the right-hand side. We only ask that you come forward and think about the King. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. As you take the bread, remember that Jesus' body was broken so you could be whole. As you take from the cup, remember that his life was poured out so you could have eternal life and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are present with me today. In a moment, I'm going to just pray a blessing. And then the worship team is going to begin to turn our attention towards the Lord. I, maybe that's the biggest thing you need to do today is turn your attention towards the Lord. Get your eyes off or whatever it's been distracting you and put it on the Lord. People will come forward for prayer, and I invite you to come. People will come forward for communion, and there's power in that communion. If you've been a guest here today, let me thank you for coming. Really thank you so much. We believe that God has a greater future for you than your past. We believe that God has something for you that's better than even you could imagine. And we want to see that unpacked, and we want to help pray and believe and pull together for you. So please come back. If you're new to the fellowship, if you've never had a, a moment that you've stopped by the VIP room, please do that today if you've never been there. It's back on the left-hand side, and we want to greet you, and we want to gift you. And we're just glad that you're here. You matter to God. You matter to God more than you think you do. You matter to us, and we're just thrilled you're here. So thanks for coming. Pray you have a great, pray your, pray your week isn't too stressful. That you keep leaning into Jesus. He has the strength that you need. He has the encouragement you need. He has the comfort that you need. He's going he's gonna to see you through this week. Yeah, he's going to see you through. So I pray that the Lord will bless you. I pray that the wind of the Holy Spirit will fill your sails. That you won't be self-powered. You'll be spirit-powered. I pray that the God of hope will fill you with all joy, overflowing joy, all peace, I pray for shalom in your home, peace in your home, and, and peace in your relationships. And I bless your relationships. I, I pray that you would, would trust in God, not in your own understanding, but trust in God. Say, Jesus, you are my king. I trust you. I trust you. And I pray that as you do that, you will overflow with hope, that hope would become a foundation for you to move you forward to greater heights and better places. I bless you in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, you are incredibly blessed. And all of God's kids say together, amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together and just say thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Come forward for prayer, please. Come forward for communion, worship team. Turn our hearts towards God and just let's look to Jesus.